Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And my name is Michael Gallagher. I'm the sports reporter for the Nashville Post and the Nashville Scene. And you can find me on Twitter at MGSports underscore. Good to have you back. Uh, you were not Wally pipped by Chris Mason or Hal Gill. So it's good to have you back. Of course, uh, we've got some news coming uh, with It's All Your Fault, the other podcast that Michael, that you do with the Nashville Scene and the Nashville Post. Make sure you check out all the good work that you got over there on the scene in the post. You covered rookie showcases. You got the PK Subban retirement, all things that we are going to talk about on the show today. Uh, we've got uh, a bunch of kind of a potpourri of small news and tidbits, the behind the glass story, the Bally sports ripping people off. There's some news around the broadcast team for the Nashville Predators. I, I think if you listened carefully to last week's episode, you heard the news before the Predators announced it, that Hal Gill would not be calling games on the radio at at the home broadcast that he's taking Terry Crisp's spot. Uh, we joked about it on last week's episode. So we've got some news about the broadcast team. We'll get into that Look in at a us little bit. News. Uh, yeah, uh, in a little bit coming up. So we'll do a lot of that. Uh, and again, I think a really thoughtful, nuanced, fun conversation holistically about P.K. Subban, the player, the person, what he meant to this organization in the city now that he is retiring. So we will get to all of that uh, as well. So there's lots of stuff to get to rookie training camp as well. However, before we do, the gold standard is brought to you by Jasper's, a restaurant I have actually physically been to and consumed their food. <laughs> a, st a step in the right direction, Michael. Uh, yeah. Going going to visit your title sponsor uh, when, when, when applicable. And we'll hear all about that visit coming up a little bit <laughs> later on. Go to Jasper's. The gold standard cocktail named after this year podcast is available. The game room is spectacular. There's like 12 games in there, all of which are free, which is also the same cost as the parking. Uh, and now that we got football games and hockey games coming soon, you got soccer matches, always a great place to go watch any sporting event in Nashville and never pay for parking and never feel like you ate shitty bar food. And it sounds like, Michael, you can now attest to that, that I it was can. not I have firsthand experience of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so go to Jasper's, everybody, of course, our title sponsor and make sure you check out Weiss Liquors as well. Contributing sponsor here on the gold standard podcast, uh, Uber eats search Weiss liquors, have booze delivered directly to your house. in as quickly as 20 minutes locally owned and operated both Jasper's and Weiss liquors. One of the most important parts of all of this, of course, locally owned and operated in Nashville by people who live in Nashville and work in Nashville and take care of you. Nashvillians Weiss liquors, almost a hundred years old family owned and operated. And of course, for top hospitality, the proprietors of the Jasper's sports bar next evolution of the sports bar. So we'll get into some PK Subban stuff today, the broadcast team, what it's going to look like this season. Uh, I can't, I'm interested in what the behind the glass documentary is going to look like for this Preds team, uh, Valley sports, all kinds of stuff to get to the, Oh, Oh, first female scout in the history of the Preds organization. So we'll get to that as well. So a lot of good yes. stuff on the show. Uh, but let's start with, with the rookie showcase here. And you wrote in your piece, uh, I believe a week ago, uh, heading into the rookie showcase in the in the rookie camp about guys that had the most to prove. And your list was in order. Igor Afanasiev, number one. Yusuf Parson in number two. Marcus Nurmi, number three. Jimmy Huntington, number four. And Luke Evangelista, number five. What did you see from the players that were, were involved in these games? And did those five... Where How are we grading out those five guys that you felt going in were the most important five names? Yeah, so I think they all I think they all looked really good during the the rookie tournament. All of them, I believe all of them scored at least one goal, which is good. I was really intrigued by the Afanasia Parsonin uh top line with Marcus Nermi. That was 
I mean, and Nurmi and, and Parson have been teammates in Finland for the last four years. So they obviously have that, that chemistry playing together, but uh, that, that line really impressed me. That drove a lot of the, a lot of the goal scoring that we saw. It drove a lot of the offense. Um, Igor Afanasiev, I think it was far and away the standout of the, of the rookie tournament, four goals scored in every game. Um, there was one play that I felt like just kind of encapsulated not only the play of that line, but what, but what the Preds rookies, what they were looking for from the rookies. So there was, I believe it was against the hurricanes. They were down by two goals. Nurmi, uh, I believe ended up getting a puck from Parson. So Parson was trapped up against the wall and he kind of or trapped up against the boards and he kind of slid the, his stick around the defender, freed up the puck. Nurmi came over, grabbed it and did this weird, like, spin a Rooney type thing and did like a no look backhand pass to Afanasiev who was right in the crease and he buried it for a goal. And I think and it's funny because those three played so well together, but I think those three are each other's main competition for that fourth line roster spot. There's obviously a couple other guys in that are involved in that as well that aren't rookies. Um, but I think those are the three guys you're really looking at that could potentially fill in that, that bottom you know, that bottom six pairing with, uh, who is it? I think it's Cody Glass and Ellie Tolan is who we had penciled in there last time. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what you're looking at. I would give all all five of those guys passing grades in the in the rookie tournament as well. Luke Evangelista scored. I think Parson had two goals. Huntington scored. They're all really kind of different players. Afanasiev is the power forward who can score. Parson is kind of your, your well-rounded, prototypical kind of bottom six, uh, bottom six forward. Evangelista is kind of that guy you look at that could potentially be a 30 goal scorer has that offensive upside. Jimmy Huntington, just kind of one of those guys that does everything right. And I, in my story, I referenced uh, how you had him on the gold, had Carl Taylor Taylor on the gold standard. And he talked about how Jimmy Huntington could possibly be the next Tanner Janot. So I think if you, if you watched all three of the rookie games, I didn't watch all of them, but I watched a good, a good portion of it. All five of those guys, I think stood out at, at different points. I've 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 heard of the spinorama. I've never heard of the spinaroonie, which uh, I feel like is Matthias Ekholm's pregame meal. Maybe. Um, it, well, it's, I, it's, I grew up a WWE fan, so Booker T had the spinaroonie. So anything spinaroonie, okay. that my mind just goes there. So I didn't realize that. So that's a real thing. I didn't realize that was a, a real thing. I thought you just like it were is. making. I, I was going to give no. you credit, just making it up on the spot. No. Spinaroonie. I've never. When we're heard done. That. Go to YouTube and Google WWE <laughs> Spinaroonie, and you'll see Booker Kane even tried it. Vince McMahon tried it. It's really it's hilarious to watch. So it's a it's a it's a a serious wrestling move that most people can't can, can't do. It's not a wrestling move. It's more like a breakdancing move. So he, I can't, <laughs> I can't describe it very well. So he like does his hand and he gets his hand, shakes his head. He drops down to his knee and then he like kicks his body out and spins his legs around and then comes back up. I'm, t- I'm describing it. All terribly, right, okay. but it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Well, there's this, there's so many wrestling fans in Nashville. I'm sure they're all like shaking their head in acknowledgement of what you are saying while laughing oh, yeah. at, while laughing at the they fact that Lind I, and Adam Vingan and Martel, they I, all know exactly what I'm talking about. I know, Zach Lyons, all these guys, like I guarantee you that I have no clue what you're talking about, but they all do. Uh, and there's a lot of people in this market that do. Um, so it sounds like you saw what you wanted to see from the forwards in particular. You did not put a defenseman on that list and you did not put, uh, Yaroslav Askarov on that list either, although it seems like he had quite a, a showcase as well. Yeah, no, he was very impressive. He had he had one save, I believe, at the end of the first game that you I don't I don't even want to try to describe that one as well because you just have to go watch it. But basically, it was a breakaway and he slid to his left, and then um the the lightning skater forgot who who it was. He skated over to his right really quickly, and Askarov had to like 
stop, shift, break all the way back over. And he had a really awesome kick save that you just, you have to go watch it just to, yeah. to understand how great it was. And he had, I think he stopped all five shots in the shootout at the end of game one. Yep. I didn't include him on that list of players to gain just because we know he's going to be in Milwaukee this year. He doesn't really have a shot at making it to Nashville unless something goes terribly wrong with Kevin Lincoln and, and or Connor Ingram. So, I mean, we all know how good he is. I, I just left him off that list because that was more of a list of these guys could potentially be fighting for a right. roster spot. The defenseman, there's not really a high-grade defenseman in the system, which is weird to say for the Predators because there's an organization built on goalie and defensemen, and they just don't really have anyone. I, I guess Mark Del Geizo kind of stood out a little bit. Um, he had a goal. He looked fairly solid. Luke Prokop, uh, Ryan Ufko, those are probably the three defensemen they have that potentially have any shot of making it to the NHL, but this was all about the forwards. We've talked about it. This is the best group of forwards that this team has probably ever had. Uh, Zachary LaRue also had an assist. Joachim Kondalik had an assist. So the, there's a, it's a really strong forward group. And I think that's, you have options now because there are so many players that if you need to fill a roster spot or someone goes down with injury, you have this pool of, of collective talent to choose from. How many of them make the opening day roster? One, zero. <sighs> I would probably go with zero for now, but I think Igor Afanasyev is just on that line. You're talking about splitting hairs between him and potentially anyone else that would take that spot. I think maybe Zach Sanford could maybe fill that. Tommy Novak, maybe Michael McCarron. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have NHL experience, but if you want to go with youth and you want to go with someone who's probably a little bit cheaper of a contract, I think if I were to rank them right now in, in terms of probability of how they go, I would say probably Marcus Nurmi, number one, Igor Afanasiev, number two, Yusuf Parson, number three. Just because Marcus Nurmi, out of all the Preds rookies in the tournament, I believe he has the most pro hockey experience because he's played four or five years over in the Finnish league. Um, and I think, he, I mean, this dude's 6'5", 205 pounds. If you want to fill out that fourth line, that fourth line winger spot right there, that's a big body to have. He can also score. The last three years, he's been a consistent 15-goal, 30-point producer. So I think he probably makes the most sense. But I think if you're going just projecting purely off of upside, obviously Afanasiev yeah. is the way to go. I, it would it be fun and interesting to see Nermi and Nermi with McCarrot and Parson in and just have like three seven footers yeah. <laughs> on your final line. I mean, uh, good luck playing against that line. That would that would yeah. be the herd line part too. That you you would feel it the next day after playing them. Or or you just skate around them because uh, they're too slow. I don't know. I, I mean, again, I think. I think there's Parsonen's not that slow. No, you're right. You're, good moves. you're right. There's some there's some skill there. There's no question about that. Um, what's interesting is training camp opening while we're the day we're recording this, of course. So next week, I know you've got some stuff coming on the Nashville Post, Nashville scene. Check out all of Michael's work there. Um, pay for good journalism, folks. And I, I we're gonna have a lot of more conversation next week after seeing a few camp practices where we actually get to discuss position battles and who's gonna make the roster and what we're excited about, what we're concerned about. We're going to do a lot more of that next week on the show. I'm sure there will probably be a lot of overreaction to the line rushes that the Predators will have going <laughs> on. And you'll have Ryan Johansson out there skating with, I don't know, Kiefer Sherwood or whoever. And people will be freaking out. Be like, oh, we're going to put this guy on the first line. Like, it's it's going to be great. <laughs> Why is Ryan Johansson skating with Cody Glass? Why is that happening? Oh, you man, know yeah. that people overreact in this market, and that's 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 going to happen. There's going to be some random PTO guy on a on a tryout that's going to be skating on the top line, and, and fans are going to lose their minds. Um, speaking of people losing their minds, 
quickly here before we get to PK Subban, I want to talk about PK Subban and have a longer conversation about PK Subban and what he meant to this organization, this team, who he is, tell some stories, so on and so forth. And we've got some sort of potpourri, some small stuff later on. But I, I did notice the media Twitter kerfuffle that was taking place over the course of the last week that I know you, you, Gover. <laughs> you waded into this without any problem at all. Uh, yeah. J- Jeremy K. Gover, uh, of course, I, I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't mean to sort of set him <laughs> to light a match on certain topics sometimes. Cause I know, I know him personally. <laughs> he is a wonderfully kind man. He does not mean anything in like an, like a, a mean spirited or ill intent sort of way ever in the history of his life. Uh, but I do appreciate that. He just says what he, what he thinks. And he's just sort of, I guess he's taken, he, he took some shots at sort of local media companies or not so local media companies that are not covering the team. And, and you waded into that. What, what tell, tell everybody what exactly went down with the, with the, with the, the Preds Twitter sphere this past week. So basically that came out of a, a conversation that came out of our group chat that, that me and Gover and a couple other of the Preds writers have or former Preds writers. I guess a lot of them are retiring. They're dropping like flies these days. And we saw that there was all this news coming out. I think it was last week or the week before. And we were all just kind of curious, like, has anyone heard from Paul Scribina? Because the last time that, that he's, those of you don't, that don't know Scribina is the Predators beat reporter for the Tennessean. And they, they've been pretty quiet over the summer with the Predators coverage. They had an intern. I think her name was Emma. She did a few things here and there. But Paul hasn't tweeted anything Preds related, I think, since June. And his last tweet was like two weeks ago, and it, it had nothing to do with hockey or sports, which not, not every sports media personality, everything they tweet has to be about sports. But this is kind of interesting. We I know he had a stroke. He was dealing with some health issues and stuff. So we were genuinely concerned, like, is Paul OK? Has anyone heard anything right. about him? Right. Just because, you know, we're all we're all doing the same job. You know, we're considered competition, but we also care about each other. So we were just talking about that. And we were all just like, no, we haven't seen anything from Paul. What's going on with the Tennessee and you know, Preds coverage. And then with Adam leaving the athletic, it's just like the two biggest publications, one local, one national that cover the Predators have had very little coverage. Is, you know, the, is the Tennessee the and is the Tennessee and local? The is Tennessee it, is local. Gannett is, is national. Eh, I don't know if Tennessee is local. <laughs> There's really good reporters there. And it's not a good, this is not a knock on Paul at all, but Gannett, not exactly. Uh, I don't think that that that's hard. That's that's loosely a local uh, uh, establishment. I I will say I think you're you're spot on to to say we hope Paul's doing okay. He's, he has dealt with some health issues, and I think that's a part of yeah. why this is going on. And the athletic, again, I know a lot about the athletic because I know a lot of people that work in every different aspect of that company. And there's a lot of stuff happening with their hockey coverage across the country, like not just with the Predators, but especially in the Southeast. Yeah with Carolina, with Tampa Bay, with Florida, like they they are just dealing with some hockey issues right now. Here's what I will say to those that are concerned to fans out there that want better coverage more routinely. First of all, I would say go to the Nashville scene in the Nashville post and read Michael Gallagher. Um, You have lots of Preds content up there almost every single week, if not every single, and that's during the summer when nothing is happening. Uh, Here's the other thing. Adam has, is now freelancing for sports logic and Sportsnet up in Canada. He's here in Nashville. And we'll be writing and doing stuff. We are going to use Adam a little bit more frequently on the show to sort of talk about some of the national storylines that are outside of our bubble of what we cover here as Nashville Preds fans. So I think Adam is still going to be a part of coverage in this market. And I still think the guys like Gover and a lot of other guys do pretty good work. 
but it, I don't know. Like the like I don't view the athletic and Gannett as really local establishments anymore. I know it says the Tennessean, but it they they're not beholden to the Nashville Predators fans anymore. And it's and it sucks. Like I, I oh, think you're right. They're they're not. If you, if you ask any of the communications people in any of the local teams, like Preds, Titans, all the people that I deal with, they consider the Tennessee and a local oh, brand. I know. I know. And and I I always have to pay the price because the Tennessee is local and they're bigger than the post in the scene. So we play second fiddle to them a lot. But fun fact: you can also catch Adam Vingan periodically on the Nashville scene. He is freelancing for us as well. He will have a Predator season preview. That's not really something we traditionally do at the scene or the post, but Adam has a wealth of knowledge about this team. I know a lot of a lot of readers out there really miss regular work from him. We also have the luxury of having a freelance budget so we can help him out financially a little bit. So look for that. I guess that's probably going to be in the next couple of weeks. He, uh, unless plans have changed, um, but he will be writing a Predator season preview piece for us as well. So you, you'll see Adam quite a bit this season, yep. whether... Yep. Yep. It'd be for sports logic, you know, sports net, wherever he is. And then with the scene as well, when, when we, ne- when we need deep dives into statistical analysis of other teams, the Preds are facing that, that we don't cover on a daily basis. You will be hearing Adam Vingan's voice to talk about it. So yeah. uh, excited about that. And again, I think coverage is still good in this market. You just have to go find the right people. Um, and, and I think, I think, I think we're in, we're in good shape. So I want to talk. That's kind of. Well, that's kind of what Gover was, was pointing at. He said the two biggest publications that people look for for news the Tennessean and the athletic don't have regular coverage and I he didn't he didn't probably word the the tweet very well to say that but I think he his point was everyone's used to going to these two places for coverage and they don't have any there's a lot of other people out there and he yeah. even he even gave a shout out to me and John Glennon and Teresa and Rex Road because we all cover the team but we also also have other stuff that we have to divert right. our attention to and I think that was the point was just like hey Everyone out there bitching about the lack of Preds coverage, it's out there. You just have to get used to going to the people other than the same two people you normally right. go to. That's, right. that's and, where and it came from. Like, I would consider myself covering the Preds, but I also, like you and everyone else on that list, has to cover a million other things, too. We're yeah. talking college football right now. We're talking Titans right now. We've got Nashville SC about to make a playoff run. So I think Maybe right now... <laughs> right, and hockey is... Yeah, right, exactly. And hockey is... And and hopefully allowing reporters into the press box this year. Um, the <laughs> for those that know, you know, um, the like it's just hockey's not going to be for front of mind until you get to October at least uh, when it's not ninety freaking seven degrees outside. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't even feel like hockey season yet, and so it, it. But but again, training camp has started. By the time you're hearing this, I think there's a lot of good coverage out there. We're going to up our game. Again, this is why we partnered 440 with the scene is so that we could combine forces and create better coverage for you guys. You got the It's All Your Fault podcast. This show, Adam Bingen's going to be mixed in a little bit here and there. We got some cool new exciting news for you guys as well coming soon. So just stay tuned. Uh, coverage is good. Don't go anywhere with the coverage. It's 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 doing just fine. Um, I will say that there are some other things going on with the Tennessee and the athletic than just like they're not committed to the Preds. I don't think that's as simple as what it is and that's basically all i can say <laughs> i i can clarify a little bit without giving away too many details my understanding is the athletic is shifting their hockey coverage and a lot of teams like the preds the florida panthers are not going to have individual beat writers luckily you know nashville has joe Rexroad, who is a columnist for the tennessee and so they they're not going to be just be completely bare with preds coverage he will what be was a columnist for the tennessee <laughs> or with the athletic, with the athletic. yeah 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 he was with the Tennessee now with athletic but as a columnist you don't provide regular coverage but he will be at yeah. games he will be doing some stuff and we're not really sure what's going on with the Tennessee and I talked to some people 
with the Preds about what's going on. They haven't heard anything from them. They still are moving forward with Paul Scarbina as their beat writer. You know, we hope everything's going well with Paul and his health, but I think you're going to see a drastic shift in the way that those two organizations cover the Preds from now on, which sucks for their subscribers. But also if you want Preds coverage and you're a diehard fan, like, you know where to go. We have two podcasts every week that are going to be churning out weekly episodes on the regular from the beginning of hockey season till the end. We're going to have a lot more coverage and and stuff and stories on the post and the scene. I'm hoping to get, I have a a guy that just graduated from Michigan state. who's moving down here. Hopefully he's another Joe Rex road. Come on. Yeah, that's enough Spartan love in this. In this, oh, I told Nick Barnowski that we have a guy coming down from Michigan State, and he just grinned from ear to ear. He's the press well, community guy. So, well, Kevin Wilson, the 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 guy in charge of supposedly in charge of communicating with people, is is a huge Michigan State fan, right? Like, I think yeah, the Michigan crazy. State to Nashville connection, very very large here. But hopefully, his name his name is Trent. Hopefully, if he moves down here, I'll cool. be bringing him to some stuff too. So we'll be we'll be putting out a lot more. And, digital content, a lot more editorial content, just a lot more coverage in general. And and let me be very clear about this too, because I'll back up Adam on this because Adam was burnt out on this. And I think he's such a stats yeah. nerd that he's happy to be in the stats world realm, but it is a hard beat to fill that job because it is a hard, hard job to be covering 82 games a year until 11 o'clock at night on weekdays when you are also trying to have a family or a life or a it just anything else. It, it is a very, very difficult beat to cover. I, I imagine baseball covering a major league baseball team is probably difficult as well. Um, so uh, again, we're, 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 we're sort of patting ourselves in the back here. This is, <laughs> this is, we're sort of through the looking glass on, on Preds coverage inside of a Preds podcast about the Preds. And I mean, there are and, other great so. people out there too. Alex story does a good job covering the team, Teresa, whenever she's not, you know, divided, divert, dividing her attention between 30 other beats and stuff. Like there's, there's a lot of good coverage out there. You just have to know yeah, where to look yeah. for it. Uh, all right. Before we get into PK Subban, cause I want to have a long conversation about PK Subban. You got to tell us about your trip to Jasper's. You finally go to our first, you finally go to our title sponsor. They pay us to sponsor the show. Two months and we, into tell, this. <laughs> we tell predators fans who trust this podcast to get their best Preds content, to go to Jasper's and they do, you do, you guys have supported Jasper's through the pandemic and, and the entire time this show has existed. You guys have done a great job. And now Michael Gallagher, finally, as the co-host of the show has finally visited Jasper's, Tell us all about it, sir. Yeah, so we... What did we order? I, I ordered the Smash Burger, which oh, was nice really choice. good. Nice choice. I, I am, I'm a burger snob, so I judge a lot of places based on how well their burger is. Um, but we, we meant to go a couple weeks ago for my birthday. That didn't happen because, like I said, we tried to cram too much into one weekend, and the, we just were spreading ourselves way too thin. But we ended up going two weeks ago, and it was... What I the first thing that I loved about it was I pulled into a parking lot. There were plenty of spots. There was no one out there to run up and tell me I needed to pay for parking. There were no premier parking things where you scan a QR code and none of that. It was free <laughs> parking, which is almost a rarity in Nashville these days. There was nobody standing out there with a little meter coming over there to yeah. check on check on your stuff. I didn't have to check my phone and be like, okay, we have an hour to eat before the, <laughs> the parking ends up not being free. Like none of that. That was great. Walked in. The staff was incredibly friendly. Everyone was just very upbeat, which was nice. Something that I think is a very underrated part of restaurants and sports bars and stuff like that is the hygiene and the cleanliness. Jasper's was very mm. clean. It did not smell bad. The floors weren't sticky. So that was already <laughs> in my book. I hate when you walk into other sports <laughs> bars and your shoes kind of stick to the ground. Like that's just. Well, this is the bar we're setting for ourselves. The, the, it doesn't smell bad and the <laughs> floors aren't sticky. <laughs> well, I mean, if you go into any random bar on Broadway or anywhere. In that's Nashville, true. Most of them is it smells when the floors are sticky. So. They won me over with their with their cleanliness right at the gate and the free parking. I ordered the smash burger. My wife ordered the BLT. 
she got their um I forgot what the buffalo or the Brussels sprouts. I forgot oh, how yeah. they do something to them that cook them. It smelled. I hate Brussels sprouts, but they smelled really good. I was almost tempted to try one. She she thought her food was really great. She loved the Brussels sprouts. The the smash burger was really good as well. I love that their their fries aren't like normal fries. They it's like a weird shape. It's like a like yeah. a. I don't even know. It looks like a little tornado, basically. That's <laughs> true. Uh, it is. It is kind of a weird shape. Yeah. Uh, as far as as far as vegetables go. I don't think one has made a bigger climb up my power rankings from when I was a kid to today at 40 years old than Brussels sprouts. Like Brussels sprouts were one of those things when I was a kid where I was like, this is disgusting. I used to use it in jokes like, oh, like it's better than Brussels sprouts. Like you'd use it as a punchline. And now I I would I if I go to any restaurant, including Jasper's, I Brussels sprouts is like the top of the list of things I would order. Now, Jasper's also does a killer broccoli side item, but the like. Is there a vegetable that has changed, in your opinion, as you've gotten older from teenage Michael Gallagher to fully formed married adult Michael Gallagher in terms of your vegetable taste? Yeah, honestly, I used to I could not stand spinach. And now I actually enjoy it. Throw it in a salad, throw it in some eggs. I I used to think it was really gross and bitter tasting. And now I can I've grown to where it's actually not bad. All right. And, And the wife, big, big reviews from the wife as well. That's important. Yeah, she she said her her BLT was good. She loved the Brussels sprouts. So we're actually we're gonna go back because she's more nice. of a brunch fan. Oh, I'm okay. more of a lunch. I'm more of a lunch fan. She's more of a brunch fan. So we're gonna go back because she want there's a couple things on the brunch menu that she wants to try as well. Yeah. I want to try yeah. a flatbread because the the table next to us, two of the people that were there got flatbreads and they looked incredible. And I kind of had buyer's remorse on my burger, but the food was really good. Great atmosphere. It, it was very cleanly, like I said, you know, a bunch of TVs with with sports on. I mean, I don't know what more you could want. It wasn't the typical, oh, this is a greasy patty melt that I'm just eating at a sports nope. bar because I'm hungry. It is the next evolution of the sports bar. Everybody go to Jasper's. So let's talk a little PK Subban here because he announced his retirement on on uh, on all the social channels there this past week. I believe Monday or Tuesday, one of the two days. And he said a lot of different things, and we'll get to some of the things that he said in his statement. Not, nothing too earth shattering. It's pretty basic when it comes to a player kind of stepping away and thanking organizations and people and fans and everything. And so I thought it would be a good time just to have a, a bit of a conversation here because I, I, I think he is a very polarizing, divisive personality type, I think, writ large nationally. I think when it comes to his role for the Nashville Predators as a like he generated a spotlight on our market, not just because they went to the cup final and because they won the president's trophy the following year, but because he was a part of that. I think the reaction to the city, again, I've said this all the time, Michael, and I don't know, you know, who, I don't know if if fans agree with me or not. I I think those games watching the, the, the playoff games, the Western conference final games and the Stanley cup final games, the way that the city and Broadway and all the things that happened down there pre pandemic, pre everything. I don't know if the Stanley cup championship parade would be the same as what that was like the first time we experienced it. And a big part of that was because PK Subban brought all of that attention to our market. So I don't think it can be understated or over, I should say overstated how important he was when it comes to Smashville becoming Smashville at the exact he was the exact right player at the exact right time he was polarizing and divisive for a number of reasons not the least of which were his was the color of his skin and how he played the game and how he celebrated it certainly drove mike milbury nuts but like 
And there's plenty of old school folks that are just like, I don't like the way he plays. I don't like when people bat flip at baseball games. Like, whatever, man. Like, sports are supposed to be fun. P.K. Subban was fun. We'll tell some stories about P.K. in just a second. But I I think the first and foremost part of this was how important he was to Smashville becoming a thing in the national hockey, you know, landscape. Yeah, I mean, he was this larger-than-life personality that really kind of brought Nashville into the national spotlight for the first time. And I don't mean that as a, as a slight towards the franchise. Like, they had had some notable moments in, in their history until then. But it wasn't until P.K. Subban arrived that Nashville, that the Predators were getting coverage on NHL Network on a regular basis, on ESPN on a regular basis. Suddenly you have, you know, first take shows with Stephen A. Smith and all that talking about P.K. Subban, like, it, it was just it was a media firestorm that I don't think a lot of people were ready for. And that that I feel like that kind of also led to a little bit of why he was such a polarizing figure. They they thought that a lot of his persona was an act to just get the media attention, get people talking about him and stuff like that. And he even said several times, like, I'm just being me. This is who I am. So he was definitely a very polarizing individual but once he got here like suddenly seats in the press box were hard to come by because you had a bunch of canadian media (laughs) coming down from montreal you had a bunch of national media i think his first season with the predators i saw more nhl network and more nhl.com reporters in that press box than i have seen probably since then combined yeah just the the tension the attention that he commands it was just something that he he made nashville one of the nhl's it city for about a three-year period And I I think it was that alone was it was a good thing for this franchise because it put them on a national stage. The the on ice results, you know, you would you'd like to think if you're winning, people are going to talk about you. But having someone with the personality that P.K. Subban did that just he was lightning rod everywhere he went. People want to know what he was doing. People want to know where he was going. Like he was just a very newsworthy individual. But I think he really put this team kind of on the map nationally. And I, I think that alone was was one of the good reasons, one of the good things that came out of, of David Poole going on trading for him. And, and Rex Road called my attention to this, but there was a thread from Brandon Walker um, t- telling stories about, and I think there's a, there are these types of stories everywhere about the kind of person he was off the ice for communities and fans. We know about the Blue Line Buddies prog- pro- program he developed here in Nashville, which is basically to take underprivileged youth and police officers and put them together in a hockey game and just hang out together, which I think is so simple, so genius in its simplicity that we just get to know each other as a community more and we will have a better time of it together. That is genius stuff and how simple it is. And he was, he was a part of that. He, and again, the thread from, from Rex Road retweeted it, but go read it about him visiting a, a, a children's cancer hospital. And we know how much Pekka and Mike Fisher and Yossi and Shea Weber and like all these guys in this organization have been a big part of especially children in the Nashville community PK Subban fit right in with all those guys when it comes to that stuff and it wasn't just Nashville he did this everywhere he went um there was one year for Christmas I think he dressed up as Santa and went door to door in like one of the the underprivileged neighborhoods just delivering toys to kids like he was he was very much involved in the community and I think that's another great part of of having him here the Blue Line Buddies program what I, what I love about that was he started that in Nashville. When he got traded in New Jersey, he brought that there too. It wasn't just, a, I did that at my old team. Um, no, he he did that in New Jersey as well. He even donated, I think it was $50,000 to the daughter of George Floyd after after that terrible tragedy happened. You know, he raised $10 million for the Montreal Children's Hospital. Like he's someone who very much loves his community. And that, that was very obvious knowing, just seeing all the stuff he did off the ice. 
Well, and didn't the NHL kind of take the program and, and grow it outward from Nashville on its own too? Like, I think the NHL took the blue line buddies program and sort of start other pro other teams started implementing it as well, which again, is just a testament to how good the idea is yeah. and, how, and how smart it is and how so simple it is, which I always loved about um, his approach there. Now, having said all of this amazing, wonderful, spectacular stuff about PK Subban, because I, I would not consider myself one of those old school hockey or baseball fans that doesn't like the act. I, I think the act is good. It is a sport. Have fun with it. And when he played here and it pissed off the old guard in Montreal or Toronto, I would always laugh about it. But there is another PK Subban that is I and I'm going to say this like maybe completely irresponsibly. This is total speculation on my part. And I think some of it was his relationship with Lindsey Vaughn at the time. But there I think I always thought that PK Subban struggled with finding the balance between wanting to live his own life, being a private person and also this larger than life thing that had been created by by largely his own talent on the ice and and works off the ice and personality and he was incredibly difficult to get a hold of from a media persp- perspective like you'd go into a locker room after a game and he'd already be out of the locker room into his own changing area where you could not get access to him he was not accessible like every other player on the team he sort of had his like his own everything um, and I just think that there was this internal struggle. Again, this is pure speculation on my part here. So maybe this is irresponsible, but it always felt like there was this internal struggle between the person I am as a player and as a member of a community. And then this thing I also want to have, which is this private existence, which is hard to balance when you're a superstar like that, that attracts so much attention. Yeah. And I think that's something he probably struggled with. He was always used to the media spotlight in Montreal but it was just from Montreal. He came to Nashville. The people in Montreal still didn't leave him alone. Like that relationship didn't end. He was here. So he had the Nashville media up in his face all the time. The Montreal media was coming down from pretty much every Preds home game that first season. I think he thought once he moved on, it would just be like, okay, it's another market with a different media crowd. But no, he suddenly had the media crowd of two markets up in his face all the time. In addition to the national media that was, that was wanting everything PK Subban related that year. And and then they go to the cup. Yeah. And, and then he starts a high profile celebrity relationship. He starts dating one of the most famous athletes in the world. Like, <laughs> and I, he's, I think we, and he's we talk posting about everywhere. He posts all the time about everything. Like he's posting on yeah. Instagram. And so like he, so I, even I, that's, what's so weird about it is that he clearly wants this privacy, but he also is willing to just like spread his relationship all over the internet. You know what I mean? Like, and again, that's, that's his that choice. Like, I don't care. I wonder if some of that was the doing of like their publicists and stuff like that. It's like, okay, you guys are very newsworthy. Like throw out a couple social media posts today or tomorrow or whatever. And like, we've talked about, there's, there's so many examples of athletes. I mean, Johnny Manziel comes to mind of fame and celebrity ruins them. I'm not saying that it ruined PK Subban, but I think it definitely affected them. And I think we saw that when, when, when he got here, he was doing everything, media appearances, talking with fans, all that stuff. And towards the end of his tenure, it only lasts three years. But towards the end of that third year, it was, it was like you said, it was kind of hard to get a hold of him. It was kind of hard. There's the during the cup run, there was one day he wasn't made available for media for to the media. Um, I think it might have been either before or right after the uh, the whole water bottle incident, the Sidney Crosby thing and all that stuff. And he wasn't made available. And that was a big uproar because they're like, this guy's the face of the team. Why is he not talking to the media and stuff? And then he was made available the next day. And yeah. that the media firestorm that just kind of 
followed him around like a dark cloud over over his career, I think it got to him. And I I, I yeah. can understand wanting your privacy towards the end of your career when stuff like that happens. I, I definitely think he treated the media, and not that I give a shit about my own personal feelings and all of this. I don't. If you're a Preds fan, you care about what what the player's doing on the ice. You care about what he's doing in the community way more than he, you do about what, how he talks to people. Like, again, Nick Benino and Ryan Ellis weren't exactly, you know, touchy-feely, cuddly guys, but, like, it doesn't matter to fans. They, they don't care about our relationships with these guys. Um, there is one moment that, that will always stand out to me because Lindsey Vaughn was involved in this, and, and it was during one of the Nash Vegas uh, events where they have all the the big sort of high high price season ticket holders they come in all the players come into the event and it's like you basically gamble you play poker you're playing blackjack you're playing roulette you're playing craps all on the floor of bridgestone arena and it's a really fun night to celebrate sort of i'm a season ticket holder i spend tens of thousands of dollars on seats in the lower bowl i'm gonna you know and almost every player has a great time like ryan johansson's over there having beers and Matias Ekholm is playing poker with old ladies and Pekka Rene is just kissing babies and glad handing everybody and, you know, being the most gracious human being you've ever seen. And I'll never forget Lindsey Vaughn and PK Subban sat in the middle table of the middle of that event. And I don't think they got up one time and talked to anybody. And some of that is because I think Lindsey Vaughn elevated PK Subban's awareness of like what was happening around him a little bit more. Because certainly PK Subban was a star in the NHL world. Lindsey Vaughn is a star in like the world world. (laughs) And I think I think she elevated his sort of celebrity status to some degree. And I think that and again, this is pure speculation on my part. I think it heightened his awareness of what was around him and it made him more careful about what he did or didn't do. And I, I listen, I don't I feel bad for him that that's what happened. I also, you know you're also a super famous hockey player, make millions of dollars dating a world-class Olympian. Like, I don't really feel that bad for you, but I'll just never forget. Like this entire event is about spending time with season ticket holders. And I'm not sure they got up out of their chair one time to talk to anybody. And it felt like they were there to like check a box and sort of be the the celebrity couple and then like disappear into the night. And it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't make him a bad guy. It doesn't make him a bad anything. It just, it was just odd to me. And knowing how tough it was to get a hold of him and just get a comment about a game, you know, anything, it was just, it was just very hard to kind of breach the PK Subban industrial complex to like get into what, to the guy that we know he really is. Who's the guy who's like giving hugs to 16 year old cancer patients and trying to teach police officers and young people to get together. And and like, we know all the real stuff about him, but he was very guarded with the media and that made it hard to tell stories about him locally for sure. Yeah, I think dating Lindsey Vaughn really kind of made him a little bit more guarded as a celebrity. Pre-Lindsey Vaughn, he was having to worry about, you know, ESPN and Sportsnet. When they started dating Lindsey Vaughn, he had to worry about TMZ and the National Enquirer and and all these tabloids and stuff. So I think I I understand kind of how he transitioned to that. And I I think dating someone as high profile as Lindsey Vaughn had a lot to do with it. But it just kind of sucks that, that some of that stuff happened because like you said, he is a really good guy off the ice. He very much cares about the community and it just having someone with that kind of personality, it would have been, I covered him for, for three years and I maybe had two actual side conversations outside of just interviewing him. And they lasted right. for like, like a minute or so. Right. It was more so the, one of them was when he first got here, just like, so how are you Justin in Nashville? You know, saw you singing Johnny Cash and stuff when he first got here. What, what's your first impressions of the city and all that. I think I had another one with him. It was like right after after the cup final run and just kind of asked him like, you know, went up. It was just like, hey, you know, aside off the record, like 
how, how are you handling this and stuff? Like, I know the city's devastated. You guys probably got to be taking it a lot harder than they are and stuff like that. And he was just like, yeah, it's really tough. He was like, we were so close to that cup. He was like, nothing is more disheartening than getting like this close and having someone just rip it away from you. And, you know, those were, those were, I wish I could have had more conversations like that with him to get to know him as a player. Cause that, that's really, that's really the best part about this job. Yeah. We get to go to games and we get to be basically, I've had someone say, tell me like, I get paid to be a sports fan. Like, that's not that, what it is <laughs> that's true to like a, a tiny degree there's a lot more involved in it so i understand how how being a sports writer the job looks glamorous but the the part of it that really makes it worthwhile is being able to go into the locker room and talk to these players you know a lot of the best conversations happen off the record when you're not sticking yeah. a camera in their face and asking them what are your thoughts on this game and all yeah. this stuff and yeah. it would have been great to have more moments like that with pk subin because i do think he's a genuine guy and I, I couldn't imagine having to, I couldn't imagine dating someone like Lindsey Vaughn and having cameras follow me around all the time. That would probably just, that would consume me. And I, I don't know if I would be able to handle it. So, yeah. And I don't, I don't tell that story to like try to paint him in some bad light or whatever. Like that's not what it is. I just want us to sort, I want fans to kind of understand him a little bit more and what he went through and what he dealt with. And again, this is not, he's not, he's not like overcoming some great adversity here because he's dating an Olympic athlete. Like, let's just not let, let's not. You know, like let's not let's not glorify him because he, you know, had had a tough celebrity life. Like that's not what we're talking about here. I do think I he think was mis- I think he was mistreated intentionally by some people in the in the hockey media specifically because he was black and out and and like to do big things. He liked yeah, to do I, loud I, things, and I think that is what started the polarization. And I'm I'm willing to bet you that that followed him his entire career. The, the racial the racial aspect of that had to be a part of it. Had to be baked into it. Yeah, and I think if anything, your story kind of humanizes him a little bit more because I think a lot of sports fans are brutal. They are cutthroat. And I think a lot of sports fans believe because you are paid, you're a lot of these players are millionaires and you're you're paid to go play a game, like you need to be accessible 24-7 to whoever wants you. And that's just not the case. Like athletes are people too, they have personal lives. What they do on the ice playing football, whatever that takes up, you know, probably about 75% of their time. They, that other 25% of their time, like that's their personal life. That's when they go on dates. That's when they spend time with their family and their kids and stuff. And I think PK Subban, that part of that 25% of his life was magnified more so than probably anyone else that's ever been on the predator. So, yeah. Uh, one, the quote that stood out to me from his, his retirement statement was quote, I've never looked at myself or felt or ever felt like I was just a hockey player. I've always looked at myself as a person who happened to play hockey. Having that perspective allowed me to enjoy every shift like it was my last, celebrate every goal with emotion, and play every game as if someone paid to watch me play who had never seen me play before. So again, I think he's a complicated guy. I think he's dealt with a lot of complicated things, some of which are his own doing, some of which are not his own doing. Um, but I just thought we could have a fun, we could have a, a, a kind of a thoughtful, nuanced conversation about a person that is clearly incredibly important to Smashville as a as a thing that exists in our city today it does not exist without him and um yeah i mean also pretty damn good hockey player <laughs> yeah i mean and he was only here for 3 years 211 games but he had 35 goals and 130 points so he had the on ice production that that pairing that he formed with Matthias Ekholm in the playoffs was just a shutdown pairing and yeah. they wouldn't have gotten as far as they did without that and you look at all the franchise first before pk suban this team had never been to a Stanley Cup final appearance. They've never been to a Western Conference final. They'd never won a President's Trophy. They'd never won the division. He he was a part of the team that won the first two Central Division titles. 
Stanley Cup final appearance. I, they also set a record for with 53 wins and 117 points during the 2017-18 season. Like, aside from just the personality and all the all the stuff that he brought here, the media stuff that that he kind of brought with him, like he's a damn good hockey player, and and the results kind of showed on ice. And it's not to say that had Shea Weber been here, they couldn't have reached those highs and, and went as far as they did. But PK Subban definitely changed the culture and the DNA of this team for for three years. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they had not won a major main award either. And then Pekka won the Vesna, and then Yossi, after the fact, won the Norris. Uh, yeah, but those are the only say, two perform individual performance awards in team history. And that all happened after PK Subban, I think. Right? Didn't didn't Pekka win the Vesna after PK was traded here? So yeah, um, I think it was the season or two after. I think it was 2019, yeah. 2020. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, so. Again, it's not his. It's not. It's not. It's not because of PK Subban that Pekka Rene won it. But you yeah. don't think a few. But you don't think a few more people were paying attention to Pekka because PK was on the team for a couple of years and going to going to Cup Finals and all kinds of stuff. He so, definitely um, changed how Nashville yeah. was at least yeah. maybe not portrayed, but at least viewed in the eyes of the national media. All right, a few more things here before we wrap up. And you know who's changing how you buy booze? Weiss Liquors, locally owned and operated for almost a hundred years. <laughs> local businesses promoting local businesses here on the 440 Sports Network. Of course, Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors, have the booze sent directly to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes. And if you stop into the store, go to the register. When you check out, say 440 to the cashier people, and they will give you 10% off. That is tax-free booze at a local family-owned establishment. Again, Jasper's and, and Weiss Liquors, family-owned and operated, locally owned and operated here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, every step of the way. So again, support local business, folks. One of the most important parts and play, that we can all play here uh, in Nashville and, and obviously 440. Honored to have every single one of our sponsors on every one of our shows to be a locally owned business here in Nashville. So go check that out. Okay. For some reason, I thought that was a setup for a Hal Gill joke. <laughs> uh, about... Changing the way you buy booze. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I got him and Chris Mason to agree to a beer chugging contest. So. I, I, I am, I'm here for that. My only condition is Pete Weber has to do the commentary play by play. for the chugging contest. If Pete Weber Chris, has to do play-by-play for that. If Crispy will do uh, color analysts for me. There you so, go. Speaking of the broadcast team, so Hal Gill, if you missed it last week, announced on our show kind of off offhand that he will be on taking Crispy's spot. We joked a little bit about how big of a how big of a microphone that is to fill, uh, a seat that is to fill. He will be doing the intermission report on television for home games. He will be doing radio still with Pete Weber for road games. And what I have been told is that they have no clue who's going to be the radio analyst permanently moving forward. It's probably going to be a mishmash of people. That's uh, what you gonna... like to hear two, two weeks before the season starts. <laughs> it's not like they didn't have time to organize this, but it sounds like yeah. the home radio call is going to be sort of a collection of people that they're going to run in there. I could throw out some names, but I don't want to be irresponsible. But it does not sound like they figured that out yet. And we'll see um, what that looks like uh, throughout the course of the year. But Hal's still doing the radio broadcast on the roads. He's going to take over Crispy's role at home during the studio intermission report, which I think is great. Uh, Hal and Chris and Willie and Pete, all those guys do a great job. Lindsey Raleigh does a great job. Kara does a great job. Uh, it's a really good broadcast team. Uh, if only they weren't broadcast on Bally. Uh, it would be a phenomenal <laughs> broadcast team uh, because if you are a cord cutter of which, of which I am like this close to being of which I am, you, how much do you have to pay now to, to stream predators games? If you go and you get a subscription to Bally sports plus you can pay 1999 per month, or you can pay it all in one chunk and pay 189.99 for the year. 
$200 to watch the Preds games on a Which streaming is, service is, is not worth it. You could go to Jasper's and watch them for free. <laughs> That's absolutely what you should do. And by the way, there's drink specials during home and road games for the Preds. There you go. So you get, you get special, you get extra added bonuses. I bet you, you could probably order a beer and, and a burger and, and maybe pay less, pay, pay, pay less, less than a Valley sports subscription. Valley sports for the subscription. <laughs> um, uh, that's 72 games, right, are going to be on Valley Sports. So the other 10, I guess, are going to be on ESPN or ESPN Plus or or whatever. Uh, maybe TNT. I don't know. But I, I this is the, the whole debate's been raging for a long time with these two, right? It's like it, it's essentially a big broadcast company and then a cable company, and they're not going to agree upon it because they're they both are just arguing about who's going to make more money off of us, the consumers. And sure enough, Valley just launches their own thing where you got to pay twenty dollars a month. Now here's my question: What else do you get with that? Do you get like the Memphis Grizzlies games? Do you get the Carolina Hurricanes games? Like what? Like, not that I want those, but like, what else do you get with your nineteen ninety nine? Because if you're paying twenty dollars a month for basically three TV shows a week, Preds games, maybe four TV shows a week, I just it's hard to justify that cost when you have four thousand other streaming services hooked up to your TV and your laptop and your iPad already. Yeah, so I'm looking up the press release press release right now you get access to live local nba and nhl broadcasts so if you're in the national market i think you you get it you get preds and grizzlies and that's about all you get whether you think that's worth twenty dollars a month to watch probably five games during that time span five or six games that's up to you and look i i love willie donick and chris mason pete weber Hal, Lindsay, care hammer i love all the people that are on the broadcast crew great broadcast crew what it's a great broadcast crew. Yeah. I love everyone that's on the broadcast crew. I am not a fan of Bally Sports as a company. The way they do things, the, the amount of people I see complaining on my timeline about the Bally Sports broadcast, like the feed's not working or the timing's off or it's just not showing up and they can't find it. There's always something wrong whenever there's a Preds game. And Bally Sports, like when they were Fox Sports Southeast or whatever, Fox Sports South, um, they didn't have those issues. I mean, they still had some issues, but. They didn't have as many issues as they have now. And now they've rebranded as Bally Sports. It just seems like there's always something wrong whenever there's a Preds game. And, and I would, if I was a Preds fan and I was a, a subscriber, I would be pissed if I tuned in and I clicked on the little link to watch the game and it's not showing up. So Bally yeah, needs to fix with that, whatever's going on over there. Just because if, if, if that's the case and you're going to have that many issues, then your, your subscription should be like 99 cents a month, not $20. Yeah, and, the, and nothing's ever gone wrong with a massive app stream rollout ever. That's never happened. Um, yeah. Nothing's ever gone wrong with that, um, especially from gambling folks in the state of Tennessee. Um, for those that know, you know. Uh, behind A couple of good positive stories here. So again, I, we'll track what this looks like for people streaming. Because again, I, I technically have not cut the cord yet, but I am this close to cutting the cord. And part of a the reason I... alternative is do what I do for road games. I just listen to Pete Weber on the radio broadcast. It's cheap. What do you do for what do you what do you do for home games? For home games, I'm at them. Oh, that's I right. You're at everyone. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You watch all of them uh, yes. in in person. Uh, imagine that a reporter going to games. Um, so a couple of positive stories here to wrap up because again, I do think we're going to track what this looks like for people just just buying the twenty dollars package to stream the games. What that looks like over the course of a full season, we'll, we'll see what that means. Um, they did hire their first female scout into the North American Amateur Scouting Department. Uh, Rhonda Engelhart was hired. Uh, I believe I said that correctly, but uh, that's cool news. Just worth celebrating. 
the Preds advancing society forward <laughs> into the future. Uh, so good work there. Spent uh, four seasons as a head coach with the Minnesota Whitecaps in the Premier Hockey Federation, won an Isabel Cup. Like she's she's a pretty damn good coach, and I think she's a great hockey mind. So I think bravo on on the Preds for that. Yeah, not not just. Uh, not just pushing sports, American professional sports forward into the modern era, but also doing good work to find good hockey players. How about that? Yeah, um, I think something else along with that in that press release that was kind of overlooked a little bit or maybe didn't get a lot of attention. Sebastian Bordalo was added to John Hines' staff as a skills coach. That's something we haven't seen on the Preds assistant coaching staff, I think, ever. I, you know, I, I noticed that. Now. I noticed that and I didn't write it down for us to talk about, but I did read that and I was like, you know what? I don't remember ever seeing a skills coach yeah. on the team before yeah. so what, what does that what does that mean is that going to make like dante fabro better with the puck i don't like what is that i don't know what that means like I, it's but we'll see we'll see what it, we'll see what it looks like and maybe we should ask john hines what, what it means uh behind the glass nhl uh documentary series this is going to start with basically the beginning of training camp this is produced by nhl and the nhl network so i get i assume it'll be airing all over their platforms but this will be pretty cool it's like a four-week docu-series four-part docu-series behind the scenes of the Nashville Predators during training camp. Of course, their trip to Bern, Switzerland for a preseason game, and then their season opener October 7th in Prague. In case people did not know, they're going to play in Switzerland and Prague (laughs) just to start their season, which is really cool. And if you're a Predators fan that can afford it, um, go for it. It'd be a hell of a trip. Shout shout out to the Fur Hat Society and and, and all my guys that uh, are from Europe <laughs> that are that are good, that might be there. But, I, you know, that's kind of cool. I don't I look it's at like this roster, for hockey. I guess I look at I look at this roster though and I go, who's the who's the the hook? Who's the personality that you are? Just, like, there's no Pecorine. There's no Carrie Underwood's husband. There's no P.K. Subban. Like, who, who is the hook here that, like, lures the rest of the hockey world into watching this this documentary? Oh, it's a thousand percent Ryan Johansson. And that's the only answer that's acceptable to that question. <laughs> Ryan Johansson's probably, he's one of the funniest people I've ever had the pleasure of being around. He's also, he's the morale guy in the locker room. He's the guy that is joking around. He's the guy that doesn't take a lot of things very seriously. He also, when they're like regular reading, season games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, joking, when I'm joking. I'm joking. When they're losing, he, he kind of, he, he's that locker room leader that a lot of, you hear a lot of head coaches talk about. He is, He's wildly entertaining. I think he could have probably have his own, you know, reality show, but I think it's definitely Ryan Johansson as someone who I think is a little bit underrated in terms of personality in the locker room is Matias Eklund. He's a very funny individual and he has a lot to say. He just doesn't really, you know, talk to the media a lot and share personal stories like that, but he's, he's also a very funny individual as well. So Johansson is his sense of humor is so funny because I've done a bunch of radio shows with him and he, there's certain people in the world that want you to be uncomfortable when they make jokes. Like the whole point yeah. of their jokes are to make you feel a little awkward and a little weird and a little off. Like Aaron Rodgers is like this, right? Like he just he just makes jokes and you're kind of like, okay, that was kind of cringeworthy. Like Johansson's dry sense of humor is like you have to if you know that he's doing it, it is some of the funniest stuff you've ever heard in your life. But if you don't know him at all and you were to be around him, you'd be like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> yeah, something I also I'm curious to watch with this too. And I, I'm a fan of this. I think this is great. I mean, the last time we got something like this with the Predators, we got the, the famous Ryan Johansson, Ryan Kessler, you're a fucking loser, nobody likes you quote. So that was the LaViolette, that was the LaViolette uh playoff thing, right? Yeah, that was the I think it was 
I don't know if it was behind the ice. I don't know what it was, but it was, or maybe it was like the 24, it was 24 seven, right? 24 seven. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So the last time we had cameras candidly following the predators around, it was, it was very entertaining, but I, but I do think it's, I I'm a big fan of this. I think it's great. Um, I, I would also be curious too with this to see. So Jakob Trenin doesn't really speak English very well. He knows enough to answer basic questions and get through an interview. I'm curious to see what he's like in the locker room, maybe with a couple of other players that speak his native language, maybe just to see if he's, if he's goofing around. Cause when he's in a, in, in a post-game interview, he sits there and he's got the scowl on his face and you can think he's like, he just looks like he's thinking of 10 different ways to hurt you. If he doesn't like your question, I'm curious to see how players like that, how their personalities yeah. kind of come through behind the scenes when, when a lot of fans don't really get to see that. Either way, it is great content for National Predators fans, so we think you guys are going to enjoy it uh, as well, just like you will all enjoy your trips to Jasper's when you go eat dinner uh, with significant other or your family and friends or for a lunch or for a brunch like Michael and his wife or perhaps a happy hour after work. Swing on by. They got the grab-and-go market. The parking is free. The game room is awesome. It's the best air hockey table in the city. Bar none. Best air hockey table in the city. They got shuffleboard, full-size Jenga, skee-ball, papa shot. The food is phenomenal. The drink specials are great. Order yourself a gold standard. Uh, and uh, if you'd like to drink at home, Weiss Liquors, Uber Eats, Weiss Liquors, they will send the booze directly to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes. Locally owned, both of these companies supporting the Gold Standard Podcast and the 440 Sports Network. So we do appreciate them. So you all should go support local businesses as well. And if they want to support local journalism and high quality journalism, what should they do, Michael? Should go to the Nashville Post and the Nashville Scene. I, I know that a lot of our content on the Post is free. We do have some subscriber-only stories that we're working on. Um, so if you go there, you can subscribe to the post. I'm not sure. I think it's like a yearly fee, um, but that gives you access to our entire site. So if you are into business, real estate, government politics, we we break a lot of stuff that we don't really go out to social media and be like, oh, I broke the story. We just do our jobs. So you can go there and get access to a lot of great local news. You know, probably read it before you read it somewhere else too. Yep. Uh, yeah, until it gets aggregated. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody, somebody steals it from you. So go to the post, go to the scene, follow Michael on Twitter at MG sports underscore. You can follow him there. Go to Jasper's check out Weiss liquors, obviously follow all the other shows and uh, share the product for 440 sports, share the gold standard with all your Preds fans. We really appreciate it. We know it's growing and we appreciate you guys listening. And we want to talk us. about it. It's all your fault. Oh, do, do you want to, do, do we, do we want to talk about it? Cause we, we can't make any announcements just yet. Yeah. Well, I, we should tease it. So uh, as a lot of, you know, Megan Sealing, who has been a longtime host of it's all your fault is an awesome writer. She's from Seattle. So she has accepted a job at a paper out there. Sadly, she will be leaving and her and her husband are moving out there. I think in, in a couple weeks. So next week's it's all your fault will be her farewell episode. And then we plan to introduce our new replacement co-host. There you have it. So that is, Obviously sad because Megan is leaving, but exciting to look forward to the new chapter of It's All Your Fault. Brought to you by the Nashville Scene and the Nashville Post and the 440 Sports Network as well. Make sure you check out Michael's other stuff, First and Ten Podcast, all about the Tennessee Titans uh, with Logan Butts. Go check that out. Uh, so I think that's all the bills. I think we paid all the bills. We did. Uh, I think we had lots of fun conversation. Next week on the show, we get to dive deep into the position battles of what camp actually looks like because players will actually be on the ice trying to make a roster in the NHL. And that means the season is right around the corner. Thank you guys all for hanging out and listening to the show. We do appreciate it. Have a great weekend for Michael and Braden. This has been the gold standard here on the 440 sports network.